know this one is just me. But when your hair is curly, it looks like pubes. You're a f bitch, but I'll go over it with the iron again. Hello and welcome to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Sarah Whitus. I'm Amanda Teuscher. And uh, yeah, we are, I'm, I'm in D.C. again this week, um, but we are separated by uh, uh, the Potomac River. And I'm... I refuse to let her come into the district. <laughs> I'm recording in... Yeah, and I'm in Crystal City, and honestly, no one should have to come here. Um, so <laughs> it's not made of crystals. They would they would have you believe that, but it's actually quite cement and all. Nope, it's really just a um, super boring uh, city that just exists to house an airport and a bunch of Marriotts. So oh. yeah, well, it's we're almost together this week. Oh, I, f- I forgot. <laughs> okay, bear with me for a second. I forgot when I went to go get that thing earlier. I was getting a can of Lacroix and I didn't open it. So <laughs> there we go. Now that's everyone so can hear that. That's satisfying to listen can you hear, to, like, though. The bubbles? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, let them sizzle. uh, Anyway. I'm like, now I'm like salivating. Just have like a reaction to this. Actually, this podcast is just a commercial for LaCroix. I mean, they're, uh, yes. (laughs) They're worse than every. It's also a commercial for every TV show we watch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even the ones that we. Are we getting paid for this? We should be paid for this. We should have someone pay us for this. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Oh. Um, so Amanda, what'd you, uh, what'd you watch this week? Well, like I promised last week and the week before I watched Broad City and I watched it all this week, um, cause they'd finally added the fourth season to Hulu and I think this was my favorite season. Agreed. I, I will, have, like, well, I love fa- the, fr- I love the second season, um, which I think yeah. is the season that has that the dog the wedding. I was just gonna ask that. Yeah, that's, that's, that is the best episode. That's still like I love my that favorite episode. episode. Yeah, um, and I like the season three premiere, isn't that? Because I think that's the one where Abby or Alana gets chained to the back of the. Yeah, it's Alana. She gets chained to the back of the truck with her bike chain. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, that's pretty hysterical. But um, no, this season I thought was so good it really was i also watched it the second um i watched it a couple weeks ago when it first got on to hulu um and i was ecstatic um and yeah i thought it was so good um i think my i had a few favorites um but you know i i think that my one of my favorites was probably i loved the one where they do mushrooms um that I was loved- so fun. I thought it was like it's the thing about the show that I think is so great consistently is that they they start the show and you think that the first few minutes are going to be what the show is and it's just like totally just an intro. So like I thought the whole episode would be this weird like animation thing and then it turned yes. into something real like where it actually talks about them as people and their friendship. It's like Yeah. Oh. They do that and so I watched well. that in the same week. I think that um, High Maintenance also just did a, a, or I guess I watched that a few weeks later. But High Maintenance also did a really great um, mushroom uh, eating mushrooms episode this season. Um, and and they both just, uh, <laughs> I'm like, if that can be a thing in TV now, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it because they make mushrooms look a lot more fun than I think uh, they actually are. 
Um, but that not was like a highlight know. for me. No, not not that I know from any kind of personal experience or anything. Um, I think my other favorite one was um, any appearance of um, uh, uh, Alana's babysitting um, clients, uh, and I'm blanking oh, yeah. on their name, but the the um, the mom is is actress. Amy Ryan, um, and and her just like, you know, genius son, uh, that, that Alana babysits for, um, he needs to have detox because of all this, uh, standardized standardized texting. And then they're, they're picked up to go to the Hamptons by, um, Uber's helicopter service (laughs) and and they get in the helicopter and she's like, Uber has cars. Like, it's just like, (laughs) yeah. Um, it's so good. I loved it. That and, was the uh, episode with Mike Birbiglia. Mike Birbiglia plays uh, Abby's uh, <laughs> high school teacher. teacher who she sees on Tinder, um, <laughs> and they and they go out. So Abby and Alana are, are house sitting for for uh, Alana's uh, yeah babysitting clients, and they wind up um, catching the the laundry room on fire. And of course, they're so rich that they don't even know they have a laundry room, so it's <laughs> fine. Um, but that was just, I thought almost every episode was like a stone cold classic. I think my favorites, I think I probably had three favorites. I like the first and the last ones, because I think they were really lovely bookends to the, um, the season. The first episode, the premiere of the season is a sliding doors parody not even a parody it's a sliding doors it's a sliding uh, tribute. it's, uh, it's yeah, and i think that doors. now sliding doors like is like a thing now it's like a style it's like it's yeah. a sliding doors episode so it's yeah. like two alternate timelines of mm-hmm. how they could have met and become friends in 2011 um and i don't want to spoil the ending but it's kind of it it like it what the show always does is it surprises you you don't actually know where things are going and it manages to do that um and Actually, you know what? I will spoil it. In the one timeline that seems like not the darkest timeline, they get hit by a bus that has a Trump apprentice uh, advertisement on it. And that's just like (laughs) so funny because that really I'm spoiling that because it does, I think, set the tone for the season because it's really a exploration of how they are. Like it's, you know, of course, first an exploration of their friendship, but it's also an exploration of how they are coping living yes. in Trump's America and it's very big insightful themes of the and season. honest. Yeah, about like what it means for them as white women, as Jewish women in New York, as, you know, it's very honest about that. And that's why I think my another favorite episode is the one where um Alana sees a sex therapist. Yes. Um, Alana hasn't been able has... to orgasm since Trump became president. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny because she kind of has this realization. Um and it's it's done in a really, really uh funny way, but it's also like very not safe to watch with your families, which is hysterical. Oh my god! Game show president Chief, I haven't come since the election, and come is a lot of who I am. I'm a cop queen. Oh, good. Let it out, Alana. You're not alone. Orgasms have been down 140% since Trump was elected. It's been horrible for everyone. Great for me, though. I'm technically the only small business owner that that human skin tag has ever helped. And, you know, but you brought up also the other theme of the season being 
I mean, I think, you know, it's hard. It's it, it's a it's a theme of the whole show. Obviously, it's a main point of the show is is when they get really um, when they get really real about Abby and Alana's friendship. I love those episodes. There's the episode where uh, they're celebrating their their friendship anniversary. That's so that's my third favorite. And that's yeah, the, the, that's the season finale. Oh, that's and the finale, like, right. Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. book, and they end up at the same park bench where they're sitting at the end of the first episode. Um, it's a very but yeah. well done. It's like, I think it's, the I think that the writing of this season was the, probably the strongest of the whole show so far. I think so. The directing, yeah. too, was really good. Like, yeah. that episode, because you start, you think it's going to, the whole episode is going to be just this scavenger hunt. Again, it's where they take you by surprise. And the scavenger hunt, Abby's done with it in the first few minutes. And then suddenly it's about, like, you know, how they have different styles of, of friendship. It's kind of like different, I hate this term, but like the different love languages, you know, like people have, <laughs> I know, I know, no, I'm it's, terrible. it's apt, it's apt, I like but it. But it's really what it is, right? Like Alana has these insanely over-the-top grand gestures, like giving uh, Abby her, her grandma's like poop diamonds, and then Abby's is to be like, you know, I didn't think of any of these grand gestures or gifts for you, but I will put my body in front of yours so you don't die in the face of a potential murderer. Right. And of course, you know, Ab- you know, Abby's, uh, I mean, Alana's approach to their friendship is a little bit insane, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. No, she's a crazy person. <laughs> right. Um, no, I loved it. I thought it was great. It actually makes me think about, I hadn't really thought about this before we started talking about it, but it makes me think a little bit about a show that I watched this week. Um, which was, I, I was kind of inspired by this week's episode of This American Life, um, which is about various women who are sexually harassed by the same man um, and their different stories of, of their experience with him and also kind of their personal, their personal histories of sexual harassment, kind of the experiences in their lives that have shaped their the way that they view the um experience that they had with this man Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's really interesting and at the end of the episode the producer um hannah jaffe walt uh who took over this week from from ira glass uh because this was the whole episode was this story she says that the structure of the episode um this kind of different women telling their own personal histories uh, was inspired by an episode of I Love Dick from last year, uh, which had aired on Amazon. Did you read uh, the book? I did read the book. Um, I read the book about two years ago, and I loved the book. I uh, thought it was fascinating. Um, I don't think that you have to... You certainly don't have to have read the book to to watch the show. You I never do. have to read the book. No, you never have to read the book, and a lot of Life, the, le- life lesson, kids. You don't you ever, ever have to, have read, to the read the book. No, and honestly, if you do, it's like it's not good television. <laughs> um, <laughs> it you shouldn't have to like have done you know prerequisites to to watch a show. Um, but there's an episode of the show uh, called "A Short History of Weird Girls" uh, that kind of stood out from the rest of the eight episode season of "I Love Dick." Um, and so "I Love Dick," uh, you know, it it didn't. I don't think it really, honestly, don't think it made that much of a splash when it was on last spring. Um, uh, I think it, you know, there haven't been that many, I think, Amazon shows that, like, really have, aside from, like, Marvelous Miss Maisel and Transparent. So 
I Love Dick is created by Jill Soloway, who also created Transparent. And it's based on the book by Chris Krauss, um, which is published in the early 90s, uh, about, you know, this, the, the author, Chris, um, and her husband, who is also, uh, is like a, uh, is a scholar and a professor, and, and they encounter a, um, another media scholar named Dick, and Chris, uh, becomes obsessed with him and winds up writing him this series of uh increasingly kind of unhinged letters um that's really all you need to know he they wind up uh sharing the letters with him and he kind of uh kind of understandably freaks out forgot what lust felt like until i met you i don't care how you see me I don't care if you want me. It's better that you don't. It's enough that I want you. Sometimes when I walk down the street, I look into the faces of every woman I pass and I wonder what she sees. I wonder about the history of her desire. Dear Dick, what if we all started writing your letters? So the show is is based on this. I mean, the other thing that's important to know about the, the book and its author is, you know, um, it, it's really seen as like I think a landmark of like feminist memoir um, mm-hmm. it's you know it's not just about uh, this specific experience but it's also about kind of the history of modern feminist art um, <laughs> if that doesn't sound interesting I promise that it is I I, I, I found it fascinating um, and at the end of like every chapter I was Googling these kind of feminist mm-hmm. uh, artists that I had never heard of. Um, and so it's an odd book to try and adapt into a TV series. Uh, and I personally actually hated most of it. <laughs> um, but a short history of weird girls, this one episode um, explores kind of the sexual history of four women in the show uh, and the different ways that they sort of obsess over their own um, interactions with the the character of Dick. Um, and I think it's definitely the best episode of the show. I, I watched it first. It kind of stands apart from the rest of the narrative uh, in, in that it doesn't touch on the rest of the narrative. So, like, you can watch it and not really have any idea of, you know, the rest of the plot and, and you'll get it. Um and but I, I went back and watched the rest of them um and you know what made me think about broad city watching this show is that primarily this is a show about you know the concept of the female gaze right and like objectifying mm-hmm. this man and object you know and and um it's just a it's a perspective that we don't see a whole lot in mainstream television but i think mm-hmm. that we do see it a lot on broad city um i think for sure there are like some absolutely. there are sides that are like almost like in you know when you're watching the show as a woman you're like this show is this is made for me there there are these asides that are meant for you and not meant as like you know there's you know there's this, that one moment in the season finale when um 
Abby gets to the, she's on the scavenger hunt, she gets to the pet pet store, and this old man comes up to her on the sidewalk, and he reaches into his pants to give something to her, and she just assumes he's going to whip out his penis, (laughs) and she goes, no, 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 I don't want to see any more penises today, (laughs) and it's just this, like, you know, very, like, lonely sort of thing that we've all, you know, when we've had men expose themselves in public and do things like that, you kind of just have this sense of, like, no, like you desperately don't want to see it, but also this sort of resignation that this is the world you live in. And yeah. um, I thought that moment was weirdly affecting for me. And I think that speaks to what you were saying. It's like these little jokes are like inside jokes for all the women viewers. Totally. And I think the other thing about Broad City and that I found really, uh, I thought that the, there's a lot I didn't like about Isle of Dick, but the sex scenes in the show were pretty inspired um don't make the same mistake that i did and try and watch this show on a um very small jet blue aircraft uh you're now you're now on like the no fly list <laughs> i know i was like oh i i really just tried or the I watched, sex like, offender list you're on list <laughs> yeah i'm on the list i was uh it was probably a bad call on my part but hey i made it through an entire episode we've all seen breasts before um so kids <laughs> yeah so yeah it was a, he, the kid next to me was 11 it's fine um so like you know i think but i think that broad city you know has a lot of actually really re- revelatory uh sex scenes uh, you know like there's both this unapologetic naked desire on behalf of our our two you know female heroines on this show like you know i mean even the episode we were talking about before which is where uh you know abby um is is on tinder and just like kind of asks out her her old professor brings him over uh gets him into bed then decides she's very uncomfortable with the whole situation um but you know of course also alana who's just like really all about her her she's a key part of her character is is being in touch with her sexual self you know right. and i think and of course we were just saying like with this season exploring why she hasn't been able to have an orgasm in in over a year um and also you know a big thing with this season is her kind of wrestling with her feelings um for her ex-boyfriend uh yeah. played by Hannibal Burris and her really just like kind of falling apart in you know in in her how much she misses him following following their breakup and and uh you know and they get back together and then she's just kind of immediately dissatisfied with their sex life again yeah there's some very real emotional growth that she goes through in this season um and you know and I think Abby too Abby always I've always really related to Abby (laughs) like like a, a a character um She's some like weird neuroses that um, it it almost seems like sometimes her entire personality is of trying to not be what makes her neurotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. she's trying to. It's she's trying about so overcoming hard to just that. Be chill. Yeah. Yeah, which <laughs> but it it's takes not a certain her. amount of courage, I think. You know, to try to like get past the things that like you know acknowledge the things that make you feel uncomfortable sometimes and just get past them anyway just so you can have a nice day with your friend Mm -hmm. um and anyway um there's a lot of that in this season but I really yeah I think the big emotional arcs were definitely belonging to Alana yeah and I mean so you know I think I wish that I could see more of this you know in mainstream television uh you know Broad City is a show that like immediately just you know jumped to mind when I was watching 
um, when I was watching I Love Dick and, you know, I, I, I think it's not that there isn't female desire in television, but it's not, it's just not, it, it's just doesn't, a lot of it doesn't resonate with me the way that, yeah, we were saying like Broad City does. And, and honestly, that, that aspect of, of I Love Dick really worked for me um i wish that uh i, I hope that we see more of I, none of the the principal characters on i love dick really um they all kind of annoyed the shit out of me uh but there are two actresses roberta calindres and india menuez uh menuez i'm not exactly sure how you pronounce her last name um but i i just they were incredible actresses phoebe robinson is also randomly in this show um oh, funny i know I, I i was like she's not in very much of it she doesn't get to do very much but um these are two actresses they're they have supporting roles on the show and they were just they they they're just amazing i was just like captivated by both of them um and i i hope to see more of them but um I, yeah, I don't know. Broad, broad city, I think, is where we say our, our money is with. But um, yeah, yeah. But let's move on to another show we watched this week. Um, I loved this episode of the X Files that was on. Well, the new one is happening now, so we're not talking about that one, but the one from last week. Yeah, which I you can't really loved pronounce it. the name of, honestly. Uh, <laughs> well, so I apparently this is um, it means something in some. Like code language, it means followers. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, where it in in uh, base sixty four. I think that was it. Which, well done. Yes. Sure, correct. I know what that is. I was testing you. Yeah, I was testing you. I know what that is. Yeah. Um, but the the whole so I mean Sarah knows this, but one of my biggest fears is artificial intelligence and robots. Um, I fear for the uprising. It's a genuine. It's a genuine fear. I'm not even trying to be funny. That's what's going to happen. We're good. It's going to be water <laughs> shortages and robot uprisings. And you all laugh now, but like we're going to be fighting robots for water in about like 2048. And I don't even know if robots need water, but they will just to just to fuck with us probably. <laughs> I didn't love this episode as much i did love that um the opening scene of Mulder scully in a deserted sushi restaurant run by robots um it kind of reminded me of this restaurant that used to be in dc called itza and you um ordered on ipads and the food was delivered through like an automat wall that was covered in screens um so there is no human interaction in the process so i've been to a restaurant like that in um osaka japan yeah and like you know and i think those are it's a very japanese thing to have i've also like went to a ramen place in uh japan when i was there that was you ordered from a vending machine on the sidewalk and then went in so yeah it's like a common yeah but i I would call this restaurant i was just calling it robot salad um (laughs) just like invite people to come get robot salad with me at work um I don't know. The episode left me a little bit cold. I didn't, it kind of seemed to exist in like a parallel universe, which is But there are so many episodes of X-Files like that. That's true. Because like Mulder and Scully are always portrayed as kind of like uh, a little bit, especially Mulder, like Luddites, 
Um, and all of a sudden they both have like all of this. Scully basically lives in a smart home and Mulder uh, doesn't have as much technology at home, but he's still like, they're still like sitting in a restaurant, you know, kind of not talking, swiping on their phones, which seemed like very unlike both of them. And I think that kind of just like put me off a little bit. From well, the I think you're supposed to find it unnerving. You, the, the first dialogue you hear is not until Scully is yelling at the car to slow down, at the computer in the car. Yeah. They don't yeah. talk, and I think you're, I mean, there's no dialogue. There's also no other people in the entire episode until the final scene, yeah. where they're in the diner after everything is resolved. And I think you're supposed to feel that sort of, like, isolation that we've, like, you know, where, you know, if you if you go to a bar and your friends are late, you're like, that's okay, I'll just, like, you know, go on my phone for a little bit. Which is, you know, not a very human thing to do. I think it's human. I think that, you know, trying to... Talking to your phone? No, it's the definition of not human. Oh, well, not talking to it, but but swiping through it, kind of spending, you know, kind of wasting time, I think, is like a very... Well, sure, I mean, like, needing distraction. My point is just that, like, you know, if you're in a restaurant and you're not talking to anybody, you're only looking at your phone, you know? That's very normal for people now. Yeah, that's true. I I think, I mean, I, I do think it's kind of too bad that now apparently no television show can do a show, an episode about technology without being unfairly compared to Black Mirror. Um, even though I was thinking about yeah. this, and the X-Files actually already kind of did this territory twice a little bit. They've done it in the first season, Ghost in the Machine episode, which mm-hmm. is like a very, like, early 90s take on yeah you know, like you know the building is a, a yeah they're yeah. like trapped in a building that's like run by a mainframe that's like a you know hal type kind of uh it, like computer system that's shutting down the whole place on them um but i yeah i i thought that there were some there was some good there was some good stuff there but it like wasn't it didn't really didn't really totally connect with me i um it was, was so a it little was... bit distracted also by just like a lot of stuff that we hadn't seen before like scully's house that she's apparently living in that we've never seen i'm like when did scully move to bethesda i didn't even know no, probably this... when she got the doctor gig That's, there's no yeah. way she's in that little apartment in georgetown still right that's true and also she should really it's, it's good that she moved because too many people were trying to kill her there um, yeah everyone knew where she lived yeah um but no i mean i kind of i loved how silly it was it was written by two women it was the first time they had written for um the x-files and as we both know there's been a total dearth of women writers and directors on um I think you can uh, the count X-Files. the number of women writers on the X-Files. The number of episodes written by women yeah, probably I mean, on one hand. Yeah. It's incredibly low. So like that was of kind of cool two women episodes. like co-wrote this. Um and yeah, and I just think what's been really enjoyable for me about the current season is that you know, we were talking beforehand about how we were worried about the X-Files. I had said I was worried about how they could like how are they going to handle that 90s sort of fun paranoia? in a time when the the paranoia isn't paranoia anymore it's reality mm-hmm. and i think they've been doing it well they're kind of like it's paranoia about like what we are currently afraid of 
Um, so I've been enjoying it. I did love that at the end, Mulder has an episode, has an email from Harry Reid. Uh, I saw, I'm so glad you picked up on that <laughs> I couldn't too. tell whether it was like supposed to be one of those, um, you know, uh, like a a direct mail you know like a mass email kind of thing like it's notes from him i paused it because i was like wait it said harry reed and so i i I paused it so i could read the the text and it was harry reed directly to Mulder, being like more information to follow or something like they found our ufo files yeah so the (laughs) subject line was ufos and and they said (laughs) that that so i found this because uh the email said nyt knows about advanced aerospace threat identification (laughs) program if they find you deny everything (laughs) yeah deny everything that's right thank you i'm glad you had that yeah Uh, which i thought was was such a good detail yeah that was great they also had uh i didn't notice this until i read it in a in a recap and i went back they had a in the diner at the end there's a parody painting of the of nighthawks but um everyone's replaced by robots. oh yeah with the robots <laughs> you didn't it's, notice that i did not know you know why i bet you were looking at your phone i probably was i probably <laughs> was honestly because i have to have two screens on like at any moment or god knows what will happen who um, knows so um, we're nearing the end of the season of the x-files so you know i don't we'll we'll see next week's is actually also uh, I kind of like the trailer for it, so we'll see how this kind of shapes up. Oh yeah, but... I haven't watched it yet, so well, or we'll, this week we'll I see guess. soon. Yeah, because it's happening right now. <laughs> it's literally happening as we speak. Um, yeah. So I think the other show that I was going to talk about a little bit that um, was on this week uh, was the premiere of Atlanta. So um, I watched the season, their series premiere. Mm-hmm. The very first episode. Okay, so you hadn't seen the first season yet. I haven't, no. Yeah. And I've so I've watched the first episode, and I thought it was great. And I like yeah. now see what all the fuss is about, and I'm I'm in it to win it. Yeah, for sure. There's, um, I think it's it's a it is a delight. You will have a great time watching the first season. Um, there's really it's kind of an it, it it's it's not really a show that you can easily spoil because not any there isn't a lot that happens there's not a lot of plot yeah, to it doesn't seem like there's so much like con- continuity about no it. there's not there's not a lot of consistency other than the characters themselves but there isn't a lot of overarching plot um but you know the the premiere was on this week and you know i think pretty much the only things you need to know about the show are that um uh earn played by Donald Glover, uh, he who also created the show, he's kind of half-heartedly trying to manage his cousin Alfred's uh, fledgling rap career as uh, the rapper Paperboy. Um, Which, when I found that was his, that was his um, MC name, I was like super excited because it reminded me of Pillboy from uh, The Good Place. Jason Mendoza's best friend, Pillboy. I kept getting confused about who was who. (laughs) God, you have a good memory. (laughs) I know. That's good. synesthesia. Yeah. Um, Pillboy, but he has it with an I, and Paperboy doesn't. No, he does have it with an I. Paperboy is with an I. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I watched things with the subtitles on, and the subtitles were, like, not giving him the I. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they put it with a Y. The stuff I read this week did have the I. Okay. Oh, that's um, funny. Maybe you're reading about P- Pillboy. <laughs> I'm reading about Pillboy. Or just like someone did not get the message at the, at the FX caption uh, team. Yeah, I feel like it's probably that. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, 
There's uh, Al's roommate, Darius, played by uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who's now... He's um, so funny in it. He's hilarious, and I love that, at, you know, I think when the show started, certainly, it was definitely was before before Get Out came out, um, and now people definitely, like, know who Lakeith Stanfield is, uh, if, if they didn't before. Um, and then Earn's kind of on-and-off girlfriend, uh, Van, Um is also in the show and you know so it's kind of surreal right like i said there's not a lot of continuity in terms of plot it's really more about about the characters so i mean you know this week Ern is is just trying to he's trying to settle a dispute between his uncle who we assume is uh alfred's dad although it's not really made clear um and and alfred's dad's wife or, or girlfriend we're also not totally clear on who she is um but uh, his uncle, Ern's uncle, um, is played by the comedian Cat Williams, uh, mm-hmm. who is just incredible. Uh, and and for some unexplained reason, he has an alligator in his house. Um, <laughs> so Ern has gone over to his house to kind of try and settle this dispute, and there's an alligator there, and that's pretty much it for the episode. She said kidnapping when she called, okay? Kidnapping serious. You know that, right, Willie? Well, I must kidnap that bitch in 1974, cause she ain't been a kid in 45 years. She in there? No. And don't go in there, the alligator's in there. What? Hmm. Bodge. Mm, yeah, there's an alligator in there. It's a it's a great opening to the season, and I think the other, you know, it coincided with um a New Yorker profile on Donald Glover that that was in last week's issue. Um that is that it's that is a wild ride this article um and i it really is strongly recommend yeah seeking it out if you haven't read it because donald glover is like i think only gonna get bigger and bigger from here i mean i think he's already a, a pretty big name um even maybe at the start of atlanta um from his career on community um, and in his work on 30 Rock. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people <laughs> were focusing on the fact that he bas- he calls himself Jesus um, in yeah, this article. Yeah, it's hard to but- get, a, get a gauge on who he is, and it's so interesting because I feel like his character in Atlanta might be closer to who he is in real life, judging from this profile. Not like I've done a deep dive into who Donald Glover is IRL. Yeah. But it's so funny because you imagine him, you know, as, um, you know, I think my two points for Donald Glover are like Childish Gambino mm-hmm. and uh, when he played Troy on Community, which is one of my all time favorite comedies. And it's so funny that he's so introspective and like deep and kind of like depressed and melancholy and melancholy in his own a big head thing that I got from yeah very in his own head I mean he would you know of course like we're like sitting here trying to like you know assign characteristics to him but I did get that vibe uh is it's he is like an enigmatic fellow I will I mean it seems like he's also cultivating that absolutely um, Absolutely. And you know, I mean, and who knows? So this article is written by um, a man named Tad Friend, and this was, it wasn't, it's not like a close friend of his or whatever. Um, he's a good writer, and I think he had a lot of interesting things to say. But, um, but yeah, anyway, it, it's, it's very interesting. And um, it, it gave me a lot of insight into the show and actually made me want to 
watch the show which yeah, is why I, I started too yeah absolutely i would i would recommend i would recommend the piece i mean it right it's kind of about donald glover starting to, to grapple with this major success and and what's next for him and what's next for the show but i think it's also about um you know it's also about like kind of the commercial appeal of television created kind of by black people for black people and whether um whether atlanta actually is a show that is for black people because you know donald glover really you know is like he would kind of argue that it it isn't exclusively because it's a show that is made in a white system for a network that is run by white men um and the, it, it's also just that is the other focus of this article um and you know I, I think and also kind of touches a little bit on on what what his show is you know is it a comedy um is it you know a commentary on race like does it have to be either of those things um and you know maybe it's none of them or all of them um i just you know i i thought one one line in the in the article that kind of stuck out in my head was was um that comedies don't have to be funny anymore you just have to end after 30 minutes that's it bang you're a comedy that is kind Um, of how it is yeah yeah and i think like you know you get these just it just atlanta just drives home for me in so many ways how different the landscape of television is now from the way it was 20 years ago every show fit into a very clear box you know Mm -hmm. until until really the last 15 maybe less than that you know 10 years or so and you have i think it kind of started with the end of the 90s when when we first had this kind of like hybrid genre of like the dramedy of like an hour-long program that was Mm -hmm. um you know kind of like a like an Ally McBeal style that had like a lot of trappings of a comedy but also had a lot of like you know dramatic romance and stuff like that and and now it's like even that concept seems so dated um but uh you, you know like there's just there's just tv is like so many different things today you have shows like Atlanta and, and and I love dick that just like do not fit into um a lot of people's concept well I think part of that is also is. that there's I think I think part of that is that there's this not this need to appeal to the the biggest audience anymore you know That's like network television in the 90s had to be you know it would have like maybe four competitors at this time slot it was on and so they had to have the the widest possible audience like they were the lowest common denominator so you didn't have shows that were like you know it wasn't until the 90s and you had different like you know fox and upn were like doing shows with like all black casts but so many shows you know they would have like a token black person on it um because the show would still have to be for white people and um there's like an interesting line where um this guy john in in the new yorker piece um the guy i think he's from fx john landgraf he says the fact that Donald wasn't going to be in the episode all gave us pause, but I came to understand that he had a larger structure in mind than any of us knew. 
Donald and his collaborators are making an existential comedy about the African-American experience, and they're not translating it for white audiences. And that makes the show so much more compelling, and that's what makes it so groundbreaking, too. It's not doing something that's already been done, and it's hard, um, harder to watch than other shows, but also way more enjoyable and way more insightful. Yeah, and I mean, Donald himself also says, you know... <laughs> Right now, black is up, and so white America is looking to us to know what's funny. I mean, he's kind of like, he's like, yeah. kind of black is in right now, you know? When, yeah. Like, that's like kind of, and I think he's kind of like, this is why we could get this television show made, you know? Like, I mean, he's, you know, he's like, this is a, this is not, this is not like a feel good enterprise, you know? FX is here to make money, um, and yeah. Donald Glover is here to make money, and, um, you know, this is like, this is them like seeing hopefully the way the you know the tide is going and like you know i think we both also read an article this week that um was kind of interesting like what you were saying like you know uh about tokenism in the 90s and and like you know you you have these shows that were just on for like 20 years of of like you there'd be like literally one black character in like the entirety of Seinfeld or something and the art the article was really interesting kind of checking in with a lot of these um actors you know Mm -hmm. now who were playing these kind of token black characters and you know what what are they doing now that like you know as Donald Glover is like you know black is up you know like I you know I, I I want you know kind of like what are they what are their opportunities like now are they any different you know have they are they all older you know are there still opportunities for these actors like they were really kind of making the most of what they had to work with um and it's a shame that like so many talented people you know didn't get the work that they deserved back then right but um so anyway just you know watch atlanta um i'm really excited to see how this season unfolds it's just one of the most creative shows on television um yeah i'm excited to catch up with you yeah so what are you gonna be you're gonna you're gonna be watching atlanta clearly this week to catch up anything else you're gonna be watching this week i think that's all i can promise right now because yeah. I know what happens when I promise too much. <laughs> I end up watching Fair. something completely different. How about I, you? What are you watching? Um, I'm going to watch, I watched the first episode of David Chang, the chef uh, David Chang, who uh, is behind uh, Momofuku, um, a couple of Momofuku restaurants in a few different cities. He has um, a new FX, uh, not FX, Netflix show called Ugly Delicious. Um and god knows i love a food show um so i think so based on the first episode i think the the concept of the show is kind of each each one looks at a different type of food like tacos pizza whatever and kind of how different cultures interpret that food so how do they make you know tacos in in uh, copenhagen and how do they make pizza in germany and that kind of thing um and so I'm going to, I like the first episode. Yeah, basically bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really liked the first episode. So I'm going to keep watching that this week. Um, something I'm undivided about, I mean, undivided, something I am divided about is whether I'm going to be watching Jessica Jones, um, which is back oh, on Netflix. I don't Netflix. know if I am either. I, I, it's a struggle for me to get into any of the Marvel TV shows. I have not yeah. found one that I liked. I did very much get on board with Jessica Jones back when it was on eight million years ago when right. the first season was on. 
Um, I just feel like I wonder if it's been too long for me because I that's didn't what I watch. Think. That's what the, I think. For me. What's the one? The what is that show they did with like? They kind of did a spinoff character from yeah. With, Jessica well, Jones. it's like no Luke Cage. They, they did a oh, show with Luke Cage. Luke Cage, and, right? No, no. They <laughs> no. did a show. Let me finish. Yes. They did a show with Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Daredevil. Oh, all three called of them like the, the 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 Avengers. <laughs> okay, it's not the Avengers. Whatever the, this world's version of the Avengers. Yeah, it's is. well, it is the same world as the Avengers. Oh, they're both Marvel, right? Or, yeah, right. this is this is why it gets confusing, mm. and and they have created a monster. We really have. We, it's too many. It God, it's too many. Like I can't. I cannot keep track of. Of, like, any of these superheroes. Defenders. I the, defenders. the Defenders. They don't avenge. They defend. Well, it even sounds exactly the same as the Avengers. So, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do. I remember, you know, Kristen Ritter is a great actress. Um, I thought the first season was a lot of fun, although it got kind of tiring to me towards the end. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I'm often thinking about it. There's so much TV that I care about that it's like hard to make time for something that I'm lukewarm on. Yeah, and um, I have to do so much refresher. Right. I don't even remember that. what yeah. happened. So maybe that's a maybe. But um, whatever we watch, we'll be talking about it next week. You can count on that. Okay, and maybe we're not watching Jessica Jones, but okay. that's not really a true not watching. It's not a not watching. It's an because undecided. we have we have respect for it. Yeah, I I do. I have respect for the game, the Marvel game, and just everyone who's profiting off of that. That's good for them. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know if I have a straight up not watching this week. Then everything else I saw a commercial for something that was really bad when I was watching it. Atlanta and I thought nope not watching that and now I can't remember what it was so I'll come back next week with it well it's like every commercial on you know all of these like you know like I noticed this also when I would watch uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on on demand and it's like just every single ad for a show just looks completely (laughs) I'm like nope just cut you got me on this one does not mean that you know these other like 45 terrible looking knockoffs are gonna no not gonna happen i just always right. think that every show i see a commercial for it <laughs> when i'm watching something on a streaming channel is terrible um Probably all right that. well we will uh we will reconvene next week and uh until then amanda i'll miss you i'll miss you too <laughs> good night sarah good night sweet prince Okay, if you had to be a thruple with any current couple, who would you pick? Michelle and Barack Obama, hands down. Yes, they are so hot as a couple and as the leaders of the free world. I mean, I'm so relieved that we have a hot black guy as president. I mean, I feel like we're finally moving forward. And it's just the beginning. I mean, never backwards, only forward. Next is a woman. Woo!